0: Right, you're back on the DFSR on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. And after a long off season, we did put a couple podcasts in the summer, but I'm going to calling this the real, true, official first NBA podcast of the 2019-2020 season. I couldn't be more excited, buddy. I was kind of like chomping at the bit. We sort of, you know, look the way we roll things. It's just the two of us. We run. Nine, eh, let's say seventy-five percent of the site because uh, our boy Chris Darrell. So we were, we have our hands in everything. We kind of had to make a decision today: football or basketball. Did it feel like an easy pivot here to do our ba- do a basketball podcast over football this week instead of a f- week six recap? I felt I felt awesome about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I well, I felt more awesome about it because week six was actually pretty tough for us. So in the interest of full disclosure, um, we tied on FanDuel basically, and then we lost on DraftKings. So that was a tough week. It was our first losing week of the season. So yes, that was tough. And talking about basketball does seem like more fun, Uh, but we still are grinding on football too. I don't want to give anyone the impression that you know we're just all in on basketball mode now and ignoring football. We will still have those two shows out later this week. But yes, when it comes to DFSR and our major interests, I would say the beginning of basketball season is the one we look forward to most.
0: Oh my goodness! I'm so pumped. Even with your little, you try to you try to throw a little, a uh, little bl- wetness over my blanket there, but that's not gonna happen because I'm still so pumped about basketball. It didn't work, buddy. I'm still pumped. Um, we- <laughs>
1: okay,
0: <laughs> I'm just kidding. So we are we're gonna be coming at you all season long on the basketball podcast. We'll mostly be talking, obviously, about the given day slates. Uh, well, sometimes we'll get into bigger basketball topics because we do uh, we do cover sometimes um, just some like bigger. I don't know, like sort of X's and O's basketball stuff. I think it's even more than some of the other DFS sites around with their podcast. So you'll get a lot of that. But during the season, mostly uh, from our podcast, we'll be out three days, three times a week. You are going to get um, you know, DFS plays uh, for a given slate that can help you put together lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings. For this first one, though, we wanted to start by... Um, you know, if you're first time with the podcast, just reintroducing ourselves, we're from Daily Fantasy or introducing ourselves. We're from Daily Fantasy Sports And for those that have been with us uh, for a while, we kind of wanted to just start taking a look at, I think, since this is the most interesting beginning of a season we've had since we started, uh, basically, since we started this business five years ago. Would you agree with that? I mean, just from an NBA, strictly from an NBA turnover, new teams, intrigue, projections, I feel like this season is really unlike anything that we've done up until this point. And I think what's going to happen is our process is going to just pay off in spades because of the groundwork we've laid for this, for like just this sort of thing happening. Would you agree with that? Or is that too broad? I'm almost excited because I think our process is set up specifically to deal with the amount of turnover that we've had in the offseason.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that really the major thing that we can bring to the table when it comes to that is that super granular look at every single player every single position in the NBA, trying to forecast not only minutes, which, you know, was our sort of secret sauce, I would say, three and four years ago when we were, I would say, the first outfit to really get on the idea of making the minutes perfect every single night. We're still obviously committed to that. You know, one of us works an hour or two every single night during the season uh, to ensure the next day's minutes are correct, but also opportunity. And I think that's going to honestly be perhaps the bigger thing this season is, you know, sometimes we're wading through like. Okay, Kevin Durant joined the Warriors. H- how do we process this? This year, it's that for <laughs> half the teams or something yeah. like that. So, um, and it, interestingly, it's most of the teams that were the most DFS relevant teams last year um, are the ones that got these huge makeovers, too. So, yeah, it's going to be a very wild er- beginning of the season next week when this gets kicked off. And, you know, I feel very confident that we're equipped to handle it.
0: Yeah. So, when you get our premium projections, uh, at dfsr.com slash deals, what you get with that is, obviously you just get um, our projections with full optimization around FanDuel and DraftKings, which you also get, um, in addition to just the pre-work that we do for every DFS slate between James and I, you do get access to not only our users, but also to one or both of us in our chat room as we're discussing those late injuries and the cascade, you'll hear this word cascading because I know I use it a ton, the cascading effect that an NBA lineup lock and injury report can sort of have on everything down the line, from that team to the usage, to the rebounds, the assists, all the DFS-relevant stats, but also just ha- what it does to really every other player on a team when you have injury news. Like, this is what you're going to get when you sign up for us. Our- so not to make this whole like podcast one big sales, uh, just one big sales podcast, um, but I personally take a ton of pride in our process around this with NBA, and if you ask our users, I think we do this about the best in the business, and what we're going to do today is walk through some of these teams that have had a massive amount of turnover and just say, how do we even start by trying to figure out how to attack early season DFS, knowing that we don't really have a historical comp for some of the situations that are happening here. And it's funny because this first slate, which FanDuel and DraftKings have, the reason we're also doing this because FanDuel and DraftKings just released their Tuesday, next Tuesday, uh, the 22nd, their pricing for this, four, this two game, four team slate and really four for four, we're gonna walk through all these teams. Every single one of these teams has major question marks about how you get projections for this teams for these guys. Do you? And this is New Orleans plays Toronto. That's the first game at eight o'clock. The second game is the Lakers versus the Clippers at ten thirty. Do you want to pick a team here and just kind of walk through how we will sort of look at each one of these teams? Do you want to just talk about it like from a broad level? Because I feel like there's a lot of different ways to go here, but I feel like this fir- this first slate really provides almost a perfect window into what we're dealing with to start the season.
1: It does. And it's, well, it's funny too, though, because you could add, you know, six other teams could have been playing in these games and you could have said the same thing. So just to speak to how insane the season is. So I'll look at Toronto first, because I think Toronto, they were a team that we actually did have a lot of DFS exposure to last season, uh, mostly because of Kawhi coming and going. So Kawhi was often slightly underpriced when he was playing and the rest of his teammates were underpriced when he wasn't playing. And basically at the beginning of the season, if you look at these prices, these guys are all priced like Kawhi is still on the team. Am I crazy? Like Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, these guys are all, all essentially the same exact price as they were during the playoffs last year. So, or maybe not during the playoffs, but certainly during the end of the regular season. And this just seems like a mistake to me. So, you know, as we're looking at this team in particular, you have a, a pretty straightforward case of uh, there's a superstar player vacating a lot of shots, a lot of minutes. And you don't really have anyone stepping in to gobble those up. So this is like one of the more straightforward ones where you say, okay, we already have a baseline for what happens when this player is not here. It's basically the same players left over and we can proceed from there. So starting with the Raptors, that seems like one of the cleanest examples. Like it's not like say the Thunder who lose Westbrook, but get Chris Paul. This is a situation where they just lose Kawhi and replace it with nothing. And I'm, I'm very, very excited for that reason.
0: Yeah, and I think there's – so so to sum that up, I think we're, we're going to say about Toronto is I think we can find a lot of safety in their early season projections. I think this is a team that we're going to be, at least for this first slate, want to be on simply because it's a, it seems to be a bit more knowable, I, 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 to sort of make a word up around the situation – uh, about what the exact plans are. Like you said, we saw lots of examples of what happens when Kawhi sat last season. That would be Pascal Siakam became something of a chalk play. We'd see a lot of Fred Van Vliet, uh, who would sometimes get the start. Now, unclear if they're gonna roll him as I don't think they're gonna roll him as a starter at the start this season. I think they're gonna go a slightly different direction. I don't think it's gonna matter so much for our projections because I still think he's gonna get a lot of minutes. So not to go, you know, who are what our exact lineups are gonna be. I think we can feel very good about Lowry and feel very good about Pascal Siakam and these guys. Um, right out of the gate to start the year. Then we want to see, you know, who exactly they end up starting. Do they end up starting in Anobi? Um, You know, the surge start. I'm not totally positive of where they're going to go in terms of the exact starting lineup. But, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that this is a situation that we can feel at least as good as you can feel about about what's relatively a new situation without their superstar player. Now, what about these other three teams, though? Pelicans have something like an 80% turnover in their starting lineup with really only Drew Holiday sticking around and adding in a generational rookie who very, who very much looks like a generational rookie. If you believe in, if you want to see, watch any of the preseason stuff, he's look, Zions look so damn good. Um, but they also get really interesting DFS pieces like Lonzo ball, uh, Brandon Ingram, all guys we played in the past, JJ Redick. I kind of might be on the outside looking in here. We can talk about them or we can talk about just like the 80 and LeBron matchup in, <laughs> in Lakerland. Um, I don't know. Or, or we could just talk about you know, Kawhi no Paul George. Which one of these teams, kind of after Toronto, do you feel like we can maybe get the best handle on
1: them? Well, it's interesting because I think they all present a totally unique situation uh, for DFS purposes that can actually probably give you insight into how we'll look at other teams undergoing similar changes. So, you know, if Toronto's the team where they lose a star and have nothing there to replace it, um, I think New Orleans is an interesting counter case where New Orleans losing a star in Anthony Davis, of course, he heads over to the Lakers, but they replace him with a star in Zion Williamson. And I don't know, you know, it's it's so tough. One of the things, the biggest mistakes I see people making when it comes to projecting DFS in really any sport is trying to project rookies because with other players, especially in the NBA, where who you are oftentimes is pretty much who you are. I mean, you see guys taking the leap, but usually that's just a leap because of opportunity it's rarely a dramatic change in skill set do you think that's fair Um, 100
0: percent. yeah like this is why nba in some ways is the most projectable sport is because it's very difficult for a player to make wholesale changes to his underlying stats at some undetermined point down the line outside of like what you said just more minutes and opportunity like the numbers just go up based on the minutes but
1: like yeah, and, and players' can mature, and and you know they can definitely, especially you know rookies, like you go look at LeBron's first season or Durant's first season. Not to say that players can't show a path of improvement, but especially guys that have been in the league three, four years, usually it's just an opportunity thing. And I think um, looking at this Pelicans team, could be a potential exception to that. <laughs> and um, the the thing I like about Zion, first of all, and again, preseason almost never matters at all, but it's pretty difficult to roll into the preseason. An, averaging, an average 23 points on 71% shooting in 27 minutes, unless you're at least really, really good, even in the preseason. You just don't see people generally doing that. And so Zion coming into this first matchup against Toronto, he's priced at just 8000 right now on FanDuel. Is there a better candidate in the league for someone whose price could jump 25% than Zion? I mean, he just seems like a guy who could be 10000 in very, very short order. And He's not a guy I would be scared about sticking my neck out on, which is, you know, that that's a big thing for me. You know, I'm always the most cautious, careful, scared person when it comes to um, players who we have no baseline for. But I think, Zion, I, I might be ready to make an exception for them.
0: 100%, because what you like to see is the usage rate was pretty high for him in the preseason, even when they were running out to be their projected starters. Oftentimes in preseason, you'll see... Guys gets rested or their coaches are trying to figure out what they have. With the Pelicans, they are just trying to figure out what they have with their main guys, which is a little different than some other teams, right? Like, we're not talking about these auxiliary players like the Lakers. Like, do we want to start KCP or Avery Bradley? Like, these kind of, like, sort of edge decisions. The the Pelicans are going to really be helped by going into the preseason and saying, Let's start running with what we know we have here because we're going to need all the reps we can get early on. And I think you have seen this from some of these preseason teams, the teams in the preseason that um, are making wholesale changes. I will say, if I'm just comparing prices on guys, um, I know they do not play the same position here. So that's going to be, it's not a perfect one to one comp. But, you know, in this case, Siakam is also 8,000 and Zion is 8,000. In this case, I would definitely roll with the known quantity, like in a cash game perspective, and that would be sure. Siakam just because. I think that in this, if, if there's going to be a tiebreaker around this, it's hard for me to imagine Zion become significantly better than what we saw Siakam like with, in terms of like rebounds and usage and all the stuff with Kawhi off the court right out of the gate. So I think like, if I'm just looking at this, you know, one to one comparison between guys in the same price range, I, I would want to choose the known quantity. And I'm with you because, and because you know me, I get irrational real fast when it gets to some of these young guys. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! I, and I, I, I get, I, oftentimes, I think I'm I'm pretty good at this. I like, did this with Ben Simmons you know, at the early season two years ago, um, or was that last year? I get so confused. Whenever Ben Simmons was coming right out of the gate. Um, I wanted to believe very quickly that, like, after actually just watching preseason, that I think I, I had a good idea of what we knew, what we had. I kind of have the same feeling here about Zion, and if I'm just comparing it. Um, now, what about these, some of these other edge guys? Like not, uh, these other guys that we've had DFS, like Lonzo, right? Like, do you think we even have a good comparison for what Lonzo is? Like, he's a guy where I'm not even positive past stats matter that much for him because he's just in a totally different situation. The LeBron thing obviously was a disaster. He was just the wrong guy to play with LeBron. Now he seems to be on a team with like just the right guys to play with, like a guy who can just get up the court, that can be high flying, throwing lobs too. Do you think if we're trying to look at like Lonzo's early season projections, I feel like he's another guy where we might say we might see the price climb really quick based on the guy has shown the ability to kind of do everything in the basketball court from a fantasy perspective. Um, do you kind of get that same bullish feeling around a guy like him?
1: No, not really. I mean, I think <laughs> so she said, I'm back in cold water mode. Yes, this is my lane where uh, I like to be. <laughs> there, there There's a couple of primary problems with Lonzo that we'll just need to see addressed, right? And, you know, we talk about this on the football podcast as well. But I think the belief in Lonzo is the belief that he's going to do something that he's never done before. And that's just always where I start to feel concerned. Yes, he was a number two pick in the draft. Obviously, the pedigree is there. We've seen plenty of top five picks, you know, go bust in the past. But the two, the big primary thing that I just need to see from him, where I would start singing a different tune, is just the shooting. You know, like if he's going to shoot five threes a game, like he has the last two years, at thirty one and a half percent, that's not going to last for very long. If he's going to shoot forty two percent from the free throw line, like he did last year, it's just hard to keep a guy on the court who's doing that. And even if you're contributing in the auxiliary areas, auxiliary areas uh, like steals and rebounds and assists, like that's all well and good, but ultimately. It's a shooting league right now, and if he can't shoot, that's going to be a big problem. So uh, I'm in wait and see mode on Lonzo. I am hoping to be more optimistic after the first couple weeks of the season. I'm actually really rooting for him uh, to turn around. He's kind of like the the Kendall Roy of their family. You like that, oh, Doug? Well, you talking about little success? A little succession. Little <laughs> succession, funny. actually. <laughs> yeah, although sometimes it's hard to figure out who the good one is. But um, but yeah, he's like the <laughs> the son, all the hype, and then kind of hasn't delivered so far. So yeah, I'm I'm ready. To see what we have in Lonzo, but like in the first game of the season, you know, grabbing a guy who averaged 28 fantasy points on 31 minutes a game at 7,000, it's not something I'm excited about. I guess I'll say that.
0: It did work with the shooting coach in the offseason. The shot has does look improved, though still not perfect. Um, if you and if you don't watch a ton of basketball, Lonzo's shot. Awesome. Give me look- give me a week
1: where he's shooting 46% from the field, and then um, I'm in. You know, yeah, I just so- need to.
0: His his shot has kind of come back toward the middle, and saying like he, they're able to whatever he did on the off season um, has pulled the shot in, but it's still not totally in. It's still not a perfect form. So I, I'm with you. Like he, I'm glad that you kind of threw a little cold water because he's again like you know me. I'm like oh my god, Lonzo, new situation, wide receiver with a new quarterback. Here we go, baby. You know, what I mean? like. Just, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. but but I think there is very uh, fundamental differences. I think between uh, projecting him and projecting a guy like Williamson. Uh, and by the way, we're going to talk of some of this stuff early next week when we throw when we do our first game podcast. I think. We'll have a little slightly better idea about some of the value plays here that's why i'm kind of just focusing on the superstars and like you know the superstar the situation in Lakerland. i'm gonna assume ad plays by the way um he has a right thumb sprain right now i the lakers by the way to tell you just to show you the lakers cannot get out of their own way even when things seem to be going correct for them i didn't realize this till today and i should know this i get teams make their own preseason schedules i'm i'm pretty sure I, i read this correctly and the Lakers just played a preseason—they scheduled themselves a preseason game like 36 hours after their plane landed from China, like back in the country. Is there any, like, just misunderstanding of what time zones and travel do to a team? They just—they're like, yeah, I know we're going to be back in China. This is like your wife. Like, yeah, I know we just got back from this big trip, but we scheduled dinner with my parents um, so we can all go over there, right? Like, I know we just got out of the plane 10 minutes ago. This—I just—it I just, I just it makes no sense. Anyway, none of the real players played. But if you walk into the season— with Davis and LeBron now. So we have some idea what LeBron can do. And we have some idea what Davis can do. But I'm not sure we have a great idea of what they can do together. And at these price points, it really feels like one's going to need to defer to the other in terms of like sustaining these prices at least to start. Is that a fair statement? Like, Would you want to play Anthony Davis on a brand new team with maybe even some injuries concerns around this thumb at 12000 right out of the gate? Because... Our system kind of wants to on its face just to start, but I, there's a lot of time to go here. But like this feels like maybe a situation. This one feels less certain to me just from a fantasy basketball perspective, not on whether the Lakers are better or not.
1: I could consider it honestly. I think he's one where we do have a very well established baseline, and so and this is like brings me to just a general point as we approach the season, because I think you're going to see this with a number of players, you know, or, or you're going to have to think about this with a number of players. Like, what does it mean to to Westbrook to switch? From being the guy to maybe the 1A type guy in Houston. I think when it comes to Davis, he's just one of these players that has so much gravity on offense where the ball just has to find him, sort of, for the offense to flow. And that was true on a you know fairly well balanced Pelicans team, you know, that throughout the years, they, they weren't incredible or anything, but they had pieces. They had people who you know you could reasonably justify getting a few shots to even with Davis on the court. But when he was healthy, uh, he was a $12,000 guy and could match up with his eyes closed, right? And so maybe not with his eyes closed, but he that, that was a good value for him. So now he moves to a team that has one other incredible player who, by the way,'s main skill these days is being a great passer. So that doesn't seem like it can be bad for Davis because he certainly never played with a passer like LeBron before. Um, but then the other piece is that they really just don't have any complementary pieces, right? I mean, who else... If if Davis and LeBron aren't going to combine for fifty shots a game this season, I just want to know who's going to put the ball in the air. Like I, I yeah, just don't. I mean,
0: and Kuzma's out to start the season. They they've, they've experimented. That's what I'm with saying. So, like I'm clicking through.
1: It's not going to. It's not going to be Rondo. Um, you know we know that he just. And we, it's not going to be Danny Green or Avery it Bradley. It's
0: like almost no matter which way they take the starting lineup here, we have low, presumably low-usage guys, right, like across the board. The only exception being Kuzma, but he's not going to start the season, almost positively. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think from that point of view, we might just see a sort of every possession thing out of Davis. Um, and if that's the case, then, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he just does quickly sustain these kind of prices.
1: And he's also got free agency coming up. You know, he just refused to speak to his free agency hilariously, by the way, in the offseason where the Lakers like sell out the whole future of the franchise and they're like, all right, hey, Anthony. Uh, when are you going to sign an extension? He's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to explore my options in free agency. So. We will see, friends. Yeah. We will see. We'll just see how this <laughs> Anyway, I'm just here through. to talk about basketball, right? Let's <laughs> let's focus on winning this year, um, which, by the way, is, is absolutely the smart thing to do, but so funny. Also, just because it's the Lakers and, and things are funnier when they can't get out of their own way. Um, but one guy I'm actually high on on the Lakers to begin the season, two is Alex Caruso. No. If he winds up playing, yes, if he winds up playing minutes, he's a 4,400 right now. Uh, he was playing like you know high thirties, low forties minutes at the end of last season, and he was very good. He, he was racking up assists. He was scoring. Um, he had he a forty-two kind of minute game with, game with zero rebounds, which is the James Davis special. Gets uh, stays on the court for forty-two minutes, so not one single ball bounces his direction. So
0: bald as um, the day is long, which you have to like uh, coming from my
1: exactly. Um, no, I same I, here, but yeah.
0: because I watched, i ended up because I have my We Got Nets podcast. Shout out to the We Got Nets best Brooklyn best Brooklyn Nets podcast around. Not I even close. I end up watching uh, all the all the Lakers China games. Uh, Caruso looked really bad in them, but whatever. Um, I, I, I don't <laughs> think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna end up getting a ton of minutes. But if he does, I, it's, but it's not outside the realm of possibility because he is a kind of a guy that could possibly complement LeBron. Who is going to get the
1: minutes? That's that's my only question. I think but it's going to be like we, I,
0: th- I think it's gonna be Rondo, Bradley, and Green to start the season, um, and that and we'll kind of see. Hey, real quick, on this the Paul George thing with Paul George sitting out. I guess we kind of buried it here, but like, does that mean just Kawhi right out of the gate? Maybe just the guy, guy to play. Like, can we, you know, can we just take a look at Kawhi and say like, new team, no sidekick here. Need to start the season on a good foot. Like, it feels like we have tons of decisions just for this first opening slate, and they all feel. It kind of feels like I can make a strong case for him. Maybe it's just Kawhi, as the as the guy to lead off. Like, you know, just to to walk right out of the gate and say high usage, new team, but kind of don't have a lot of those auxiliary pieces they had last year. Gallo uh Shea Gill is just Alexander and they're not gonna have Paul George who they brought in as well like is he just maybe the high price guy or I sometimes feel like we've seen Kawhi not maybe sustain these like ten thousand dollar prices even when you think he's in the best of situations
1: yeah I I think it's pretty close with Kawhi honestly I think ten thousand dollars that seems like a fair number to me I think he averaged 45 fantasy points a game last season on a Toronto team that, admittedly, you know from year in year out, is one of the slower-paced teams. Although I will say, going into this season, you know, one of the lessons I learned as I was uh, giving our ebook a makeover, in case you didn't know, we also have given away th- tens of thousands of free ebooks over at DailyFantasySportsRankings.com/ebook. Uh, right now, you can see our revised 2019 NBA and NFL ebooks there for free. Um, but as I was looking over that, one thing I realized as I was updating the pace charts from year over year was that team's pace has just changed dramatically from one year to the next based on changes in personnel and coaching. So, you know, before we really get cracking on the season, you're really going to want to look at that because, man, last year, you know, one – it didn't necessarily equate one-to-one. And the whole league uh, just got about one million times faster. But, yeah, going from a Toronto team that played basically a league average pace to a Clippers team that was in the top seven in terms of pace – You know, theoretically, that could be an upgrade, or it could just be that, you know, Kawhi being on your team means you're going to play more half court sets. So uh, I'm going to wait and see on that. But yeah, early on, I am definitely the Clippers are one of these teams, mostly because they don't have George so far. They are one of my early teams that had a big makeover that I am still high on.
0: All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back, and we're going to talk some mybookie.ag win totals for the season, take a look at just some of these other teams that aren't in the main slate uh, and try to take try to break down if we do see some value in some of this turnover. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you're headed to a game this year and you need tickets, there's only one place to go, and that's Vivid Seats. It's super easy. You go to the App Store, download the Vivid Seats app. You use the promo code Overtime. That's O-V-E-R. T-I-M-E, and you save up to $100 on all ticket purchases, first-time customers only. Once again, vivid seats. Use the promo code OVERTIME. It's that easy. Get tickets, go to the game. You won't regret it. All right, we are going to talk some win totals here. This spot brought to you by our good friends over at mybookie.ag. You got to sign up to mybookie, and you have to use the promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. You use that promo code, MyBookie is going to give you a deposit bonus, a matching deposit bonus, up to $100 for first-time depositors only. Uh, MyBookie.ag, promo code, overtime. You can listen to what we have to say about some of these win totals that we see uh, that we see for some of these teams, what we like, maybe what we don't like as much. And you head over, you put the bets in, or you just go over to MyBookie.ag. They have all kinds of stuff, MVP odds, props for the season, win totals, like I said, playoff odds, everything you can want. So MyBookie.ag, get going over there. All right. Win totals are one of these things like I get oddly fascinated with them um, to start the season because I like to just sort of test my our systems and uh, some of the things that we have put together against some of these totals. I have some pretty strong opinions on some. I know you do, too. Why don't we start off? You throw a team out there. Uh, we can talk a little bit about, you know, what you like in terms of over under in terms of what, what I'm going to call Vegas. Or in this case, my book, he has for the win total uh, first team that kind of intrigues you.
1: So the first team that intrigues me, I think, is a team that will intrigue a lot of people, and that is your Los Angeles Clippers, Doug. I think this is such a fascinating team for a number of reasons, and you know, not the least of which the fact that they traded off their entire future uh, for you know Paul George and a hope and a prayer, basically. Mm-hmm. So. The Clippers this season, so last year they won 48 games, right? They were a super, super feel-good story. They had a lot of young players come together, sort of the perfect time. They had uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander kind of rise and become, you know, a chic pick for like, could he be the best guy in this rookie class sort of discussions among like the, you know, the pencil-pushing pocket protector types. On the NBA subreddit and things like that, and I, I, I'm also on the NBA subreddit, so no no shade being thrown that way. But um, but they were a super hot team coming out of last year. They won 48 games. The thought on them now is that well, they traded away a couple pieces, but hey, they got Paul George back. You know, a legitimate superstar who's worth you know tons of win shares per game. And the total that Vegas has on that right now is 53 and a half. So in order for and this is the same process I went through for our, our baseball. Lions early in the season. In order for them to be 53 and a half wins this season, you have to assume two things. The first is that they actually were a true talent 48 win team last year. I'm going to submit that they were not. Um, They had a 0.8 points per game positive win differential. So that's not very good, right? I mean, that speaks more to a team that should be closer to 500, I think, than a team that was 14 games over 500. Um, you can compare them to other teams. Uh, like Oklahoma City had a three point four point um, win differential. They were only sixteen games over five hundred.
0: The Magic had um, the Magic had a point seven win differential, and they were forty two and forty. So like there's just, exactly. just another team so, that had the same so I'm win gonna, differential.
1: Yeah. I'm going to suggest that they ran hot last season, as it stands. Um, so I, like my personal belief is that they were more like a true talent forty four win team last season, and I think the numbers bear that out. So if you assume that that's true, that means that Paul George is going to have to show up. And not only provide 10 more wins of value this season on his own, but he's also going to have to provide 10 wins above what they were getting from the other players traded away, right? So he's going Wait, to when have
0: to you, you say when you say Paul George, you mean Kawhi and Paul George, correct? Like, I yes. just want to make sure... That, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Um, right, I'm sorry. I was focusing on Paul George simply because he's the one that's hurt going into the season. <laughs> sorry about that, yes. So that would mean that Kawhi and Paul George combined um, would have to be worth 10 wins above not only what the Clippers were last year, but... The Clippers minus Danilo Gallinari and SGA, right? So um, now however many wins you want to assign to SGA and Gallinari's production last season, you know, that's a fairly inexact science. Uh, but let's call it six wins. That would be super conservative, in my opinion. Um, in order to get, now you're up to 16 wins that you sort of have to make up for from last season. Now, Kawhi and Georgia are superstars. There's no question about it. But with these lingering injury concerns for George at the beginning of the season, which, by the way, we've seen with him and with Kawhi and with others, we know that these things don't like always just be fixed the moment you show back up. right? This is a problem that George was dealing with in the shoulders last season going into the, into the playoff run. So I'm very, very concerned about his health in general. Um, I don't think it's a sure thing that he's going to show up and play 40 minutes a game either, uh, which is sort of what he would need to do, given how much of the Clippers' depth they traded away. Uh, we already know that Kawhi has sung the praises of load management and so on in the past. So uh, when Kawhi and George show up and attempt to win 16 more games, but if you're going to get 65 games out of Kawhi and say, I don't know, 50 games out of Paul George, is that a good estimate? I just think that's going to be a, a tough row to hoe for them. And I also just think this is one of the most you know highly regarded teams in the public nature. I think the public is super high on the Clippers uh, because of this like historic chess move that Kawhi has been playing behind the scenes and so on. I think you're paying a premium on that too and uh, yeah I'll just I'll go against the hype. This is the strategy I took in baseball season. Had a ton of success betting against the Phillies and the Padres after their big offseason moves. Both of those teams failed to deliver and I really see the same patterns emerging for the Clippers here.
0: Yeah, I, I like every bit about that. I think that you know this would put them in the class of where basically the Rockets and well, the Nuggets were at the, the very top of the leaderboard. I think also it doesn't help them, and this could be a theme that we get into uh, shortly here, but it doesn't help them also to some degree that a lot of these other teams in the West specifically got better. Um, so the, they got better, but uh, the West got better as well. So um, yeah, by the way, Paul George is going to miss the first 10 games of the season uh, with the shoulder injury. Shoulders, by the way, this is and this is the leftover injury from last season. So, yeah, I, I, I think that right now, um, it's been fluctuating between 54 and a half and 53 and a half on my bookie. Right now, it's at 54 and a half, but minus 150, which means it's probably set to come down here. In, it's about 53. It's going to probably, it's going to settle that 53 and a half number. Um, you probably get this, you end up getting the same implied odds by giving the extra win, but giving some more of the juice on the 150. So uh, I think I'm, I'm de- not, I don't think I'm definitely with you on that one. Um, one team I'm going to throw I re- I have written up three teams. I'm not going to go through all so far. I'm not going to go through all three of them right here in the podcast. You can go over to DFSR.com and head over to our NBA section to see some of these uh, other teams that I've thrown out there in terms of betting. Um, I'm going to go out there with my Nets though. The We Got Nets podcast, like I said before, you would think that I'd be very bullish on all these offseason moves. Right now, their number is sitting at 43.5. And I, to the much to the chagrin of Nets Nation, if you believe Reddit and some of these other Twitter and some of our podcasts where I've said some of this stuff, people, including my partner, uh, my co-host partner Adam, who doesn't want to hear this either, I have them for the under on 43.5 wins right now. Um, that started at 45.5, it's down to 43.5. I'm actually. Yeah, there's some very pessimistic views of the Nets. Uh, right now, 538 has them at 38 wins for the season, um, which John Hollinger had them for a 500 record. So I think a lot of the other analytics people are lining up with what I've been beating on the drum on all summer is that I think this, this Nets team, there's a couple different reasons for that. And at the risk of just getting very long-winded, I'll say there's two things that are, that are played most predominantly for me on the under on this total and that, forget the Kevin Durant part, which is where he's already, they basically said he's going to sit the whole season. But that it plays into the idea of, I think the Nets culture, right Nets team right now, understands that this is not their year. This is not the season to go for it. Next year is the season to go for it. And if you believe that's the case, this is a sm- team that understands the next piece about what they have and what they have with Kyrie Irving. If you think you're getting a full 82 games out of Kyrie Irving here, you just aren't. They got a full 82 out of D'Angelo Russell last year. And he was excellent. Kyrie has not played a full season in four years for various injury concerns. He already has a facial injury that he got in China. And I think they are going to have the absolute most kid gloves ever with him this season, knowing that this is not the all-in season. It's next season. And every minute you lose from Kyrie after you already are sitting KD, because 43 is more wins than they had last year. This, that's Any minute that those guys sit is the equivalent of something like $75 million of your two best players sitting on the bench. And I get they have some nice role pieces behind it. And I understand all of these ideas. This is a team that is on such a slippery slope when it comes to wins. They cannot afford to lose anybody. They specifically cannot afford any lost games. And I'm not, like, projecting injury, by the way. I'm projecting what I think to be a smart thing, which is to say, save every piece of firepower we have until next year. So, um that's why I'm going the Nets under. I know my Nets boys and girls from that world do not want to hear it. Uh, Is that a good enough point? I have other points, and there's a much longer piece on dfsr.com, but just knowing that this could be... Like, they're playing with house money. Like, last year, they were kind of going for it because they were, like, trying to establish a culture. They won that battle. They don't need to, like, send any more good vibes, I don't think, especially if you're trying to win a championship. Is that a good enough reason to bet the under here?
1: Uh, I'm getting there, I think, you know, so it's kind of funny because, yes, Kyrie last season played only 67 games. And that's just not very many games um, compared to Russell's, you know, complete season. However, uh, Kyrie was worth more win shares in the 67 games of course. that he played at 9.1 uh, than Russell was. And so, you know, I think it's hard to argue, and I, you're not doing this, but I think it's hard to argue that Kyrie won't bring more value this season than Russell brought last season. And I think that's where... The Nets truthers are looking at this and saying, you know, hey, like Kyrie's just better. And sure, he only played 67 games in Boston last year, but that was a toxic situation. And you could argue that he also wasn't, like, you know, totally focused because of how insane it was. And, and I think all of that's actually true. But I think the other piece is, you know, similar to the point I made in the Clippers write up or uh, discussion, which was, the the Nets last year had a negative point differential. <laughs> you know they yes. were well. That's the other thing. They, they
0: weren't. They were They were a 500 team last year that happened to win 42 games. They were like a 39 and 40. No, they're like something like a, a, a 40 and 40 team. Yeah. No, yeah. They would have been. Four, 40, I, I, I think team. by
1: by Pythagorean record they would be basically 40 and 42. So so now you're asking Kyrie to be worth solidly four more wins than Russell, and I think that's that is difficult. And I think again. They're another one of these teams that the line is just going to be moved by A, absolutely huge market, and B, being one of the teams that was most discussed in the offseason. And when that happens, people talk themselves into it. Most basketball fans aren't going to hear all this Nets buzz and be like, ooh, I'm going to go grab the under. You know, so uh, people that place these NBA futures bets, they also just tend to not be uh, the sharpest bettors in my experience too, like just people who believe in their team and just want to bet the over. And if the Nets, uh, again, on the Nets subreddit, buzz is any indication people are irrationally confident about the Nets team so I think you're getting a little bit of overlay there just based on the public money going in you know this the fact that this was a sub 500 team last season by their true talent and the fact that yeah they're upgraded but it's not like dramatically so and by the way you know Kyrie and um, D'Angelo Russell aren't the only two players that have have changed hands on these teams too you know you've seen other movements as well I think it's not unreasonable at all I don't know if it was it's one I would go Like I I think I like the Clippers under a little bit better, but I think that there's a very strong case for the Nets under too.
0: All right. So that's two my bookie.ag bets so far. Do you have, give me one more team. I'll throw one more out. And then you can also check out dfsr.com because we have some others up there as well. Give me one more team uh, that you like, either the over or the under on the wins.
1: I think I'm on the thunder. Uh, You know, I think uh, this is a team where I totally get why you don't believe in them from a true basketball perspective, right? I mean, you know, they've now shed Westbrook. It's just kind of like they got rid of Jeremy Grant. This is just a team of, you know, unwanted toys, basically, at this point. Chris Paul's on the team. Um, But last year, so Russell Westbrook, um, you know, he's regarded as one of the very, very best players in the league. Advanced analytics do not like Westbrook whatsoever. And I think you can make a case that he's a guy who's as in control of how positively he contributes to a team as anyone. So I actually am quite bullish on him for now that he's coming into Houston and is playing alongside someone he respects and Harden and not just being like well I guess I'm going to have to do everything but you know we talked about Winshares he's not even in the top 20 in Winshares last season he was bad and uh, analytics yeah,
0: wise he, he was just straight up bad for the team it was like an average basketball player i, I, I the stats aside, exactly he was, he and was so and the problem bad. is when
1: you have an, when you have an average basketball player touching the ball on every single possession and who's hell-bent on just putting up a triple-double stats-wise, that's going to cause some some pretty wild stuff to happen. Now, granted, they also lost Paul George, right? So this is a team that's shed a lot of talent. But as we know, we never look at this stuff in a vacuum. And the fact that they lost a lot of talent, okay, that's all well and good. But did they lose 18 games worth of talent? This The total for this team right now, 31 and a half. Okay, so again, if we're back to our exercise, it's going to be a little bit more difficult because, you know, shedding two incredibly high usage in minutes, guys, like Westbrook and George, is always going to make this a a fairly difficult exercise. But the fact that they're adding, you know, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who people are super high on, uh, just in terms of what he can contribute if given an expanded role, especially defensively, which I think, you know, raises his floor dramatically in terms of what he can contribute on a pure basketball perspective. They had Danilo Gallinari, who, you know, he's an injury risk and. There's plenty of question marks about him, you know, perhaps defensively as well, but what he can contribute offensively I, I don't think is in question. And I think you're going to have a hyper-motivated Chris Paul, who when he was in the saddle and Westbrook was out last season, Paul was excellent. And I think he can still, you know, he's basically playing for the future of his career right now. And I think his contract is tough enough that I don't think the Thunder are going to be able to get out from under it. So I think that's if you take the key. all those. Yep. I, I think that's I think the absolute we, key. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. I think key? that's the
0: absolute key that he – the. sorry to interrupt you, but the, I just want to stay on the Chris Paul thing for one second. The key for them is that if they can't trade this contract and if it's looking very difficult to do it, I'm 100% with you. I think that's like – I think people are just speculating that that's just a foregone conclusion, and I do not – I don't think that's anywhere near the case. And so, yeah, like I think – and if you have a full season of Chris Paul – I'm 100% with you. Sorry to interrupt, but I just want to know. You never know.
1: You never know. And I think things can change. And there's obviously plenty of risk built into this one as well. But I I like the Thunder over. I mean, 31 and a half wins is just not very much wins at all. Um, There was only one team in the West last year that had fewer than 31 and a half wins, and that was Phoenix, who was a legitimate dumpster fire. Uh, with a minus 9.3 point differential granted that's also a case that the west is going to be super hard Um, even the bad teams in the west are really not that bad compared to the east and i think there's you know plenty of concern but i just don't see them sliding in they they would need to be a bottom five team in the entire league um you know they would need to win fewer games than washington won last year in order to justify the 31 and a half total and i just don't see it i think the influx of Three legitimate, very good, positive contributors. It doesn't fully make up for the loss of three very good, positive contributors on the other end, but it's not an 18-game difference, and um, for that reason, I am definitely going to be here. This, this might be my favorite bet, actually, um, going after this Thunder Over. I get, I get that there's plenty of variance built into this, but I think strictly in terms of an expectation play, I, I do believe strongly in this one. So I you didn't know this but
0: it, I well you knew that I was met, met, fiddling with this model but I didn't talk about this p- team specifically to you but when I did a, a win shares model based on a full season's worth of minutes projections the Thunder absolutely annihilated this number like it was easily the biggest difference in terms of Vegas expectation compared to apps actual win shares per minute that you I was projecting them to get from the from like what I thought was going to be their squad with obviously the only question mark being around the you know the motivation, but the thing is they're not trading Chris Paul day one either, right? Like so, I think there's plenty of things, there's plenty of scenarios that play out here where the Thunder. I love this bet. Like I think the Thunder, you could see them just try to play it out um, in terms of if especially if they can't find a suitor. So yeah, no, they it, what they have here in the Gallo SGA, <laughs> Chris Paul trio that re- essentially replaces Russ um, and re- and actually also replaces. Guys like Terrence Ferguson, like every minute you get of SGA instead of Terrence Ferguson and guys like that, that they were playing at the two is like such a huge, huge, huge upgrade that like that almost alone is good for many wins. Like it was good for wins, like whatever theoretical wins you thought you lost with Westbrook. So it's all these other marginal moves. Like honestly, they weren't getting anything to the three either. I get Jeremy Grant was okay. So was like Gallo is an improvement there too. So I love it. I, I think they actually could probably trade Paul and still, and probably still get there. Um, I have one more team, but I want to actually just ask you, because now we're just getting into some basketball nitty-gritty, and maybe I'll skip this last team, just in favor of this. I actually think one thing we're going to see this season, too, because a lot of times win, share, win totals are born out of whatever you did last year. right? Like That's just yes. Vegas has trouble. Vegas has trouble with this as much as anyone's going to have trouble um, outside of using like very, very deep analytics models, and even that's going to be tricky because of injuries and all this other stuff. So oftentimes just the default is to add a few wins here or there based on last year and whatever improvements you made. I think one big difference you're going to see in the NBA this year is we're going to see much more of a grouping at the middle. I think it's going to be very difficult for the good teams to be so good in a way that we've seen like the Rockets and the Bucks and the Warriors in seasons past be so good for a couple of reasons. One, some of the talent got redispersed um, in a way that's just going to help some of those teams like the Thunder, sort of like the Clippers, and there's almost too many teams to to, the Lakers, almost, and the list goes on and on and on. So I think that's one thing, is that we're going to see, I think there's going to be a lot more parity. The other thing I think we're going to see from this season is that the teams that actually tried are the ones that won in free agency, right? Tanking doesn't work in the same way that you think it's going to work, especially if you strike out with those top picks. Look what happened to the Knicks. The Knicks signaled a team that was that had all the free agency money in the world, tanked, lost, got really nobody in return. Teams that like snuck into the playoffs that showed, hey, dude, we have a plan— and guess what? If we add you to the plan, we'll just be better because look what we did without having to tank, i.e. the Clippers, i.e. the Nets, right? The new NBA to me, if you have any brain, is to signal, especially with the smoothing out of the of the lottery odds where like you're just way less of a chance to get that top pick even if you do tank all the way to the bottom, the new NBA says, you know what we should do? Try. And if we don't make the playoffs, that's fine. We still have a decent chance of getting a pretty high pick because of the way this has been smoothed out. And we also have a better chance of bringing in a free agent that likes what they saw from us because we were trying. And I think that there's a massive over-under undercorrection of that specific piece in all these win totals, right? I think we're going to see, I think basically to say, take everyone on the low end and bet the over and take everyone on the high end and bet the under. Uh, that's too imperfect. So I'm not ex- exactly saying that, but I think more often than not, that is going to be the case, especially because these numbers a lot of times are born out of what was happened last year. Is that like a fair, I've been thinking all off season about this culture thing specifically because I've been thinking a lot about the Nets. And I think that this is like the way the league is going. Like this is how you attract, have a plan, try. And when all these teams are actually trying and there's no free wins anywhere, except for like the Wizards and Hornets, who just can't get out of their own way and just think outside of those two teams, I think everyone's just really, really going to try this year. I think it's going to be awesome season because of that.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a very strong take. Um, you know, I, I was looking through, just scrolling down through the bottom end teams, and then scrolling all the way up to the top end teams. It, I think it's. I, I wonder if Vegas maybe is guessing at this a little bit as well, because like they have the Knicks being ten and a half games better than they were last year. They have the Suns as being uh, more than ten games better than they were last year too. And granted, those teams have you know, added some talent, I suppose. But it's not like, again, when you, when you think about adding 10 wins worth of talent, if you were to look at it from a win perspective, that would be like adding Carl Anthony Towns or, you know, adding Steph Curry from last year or Kawhi, you know. Um, and, you know, obviously I don't see that necessarily. But I wonder, yeah, that effort piece is such an interesting one, right? Because last year, certainly, at the end of the season, especially with Zion being the prize that at the end of the tunnel, it was a complete embarrassment to the league. You were just seeing teams just absolutely go out of their way to just play raz, just try to lose, just totally not have any competitive integrity whatsoever. And then, yeah, those teams that everyone looked at and were like, what's wrong with the Nets? What's the point of sneaking into the eighth seed in the playoffs and getting ripped by whoever? Um, and that actually worked out pretty well for him. So yeah, I, think right, I think you're too. right. Yeah, the Clippers too. They
0: both they these teams snuck into eighth seed and they had the biggest off-seasons you can imagine. Maybe that's a little bit of luck born around that. But I think that they knew – kind of what they were doing and saying, I think this piece, but but, dude, the NBA is totally new now. Gone, no one knows what's A, we're going to win now because we don't have the Warriors anymore. Like there's teams that have gone all different directions. And B, I just, like, unless you just are so bad, you can't get out of your own way. Like I mentioned the Hornets and Wizards. I don't really see a ton of other teams. Like Cavs kind of maybe are like this too. Uh, So there's three. But even like the Knicks, I think are really going to try. I think the Knicks learned. They said, you know what? That didn't work. Okay. And you know what happened? We didn't get any free agents either. But we got some NBA, got like actual NBA players, and we're gonna play these guys minutes because we're trying. And I think that like, and because we're free agent, we, we need to signal, we have two years to signal to the next class, the Giannis class basically, that we have a clue, and the clue isn't to just try to just luck box your way into the first pick again. We need to show that we have a culture that someone wants to come play for, and losing is just not the way to do it.
1: Yeah, I like that. I think the other thing too that you've seen um, is when you take the temperature of fans, Like the average fan, you know this now from doing a Nets specific podcast, the person who actually sweats the team and breathes them day in, day out, has to listen to their local sports talk radio. They hate the tanking thing, you know, and yeah, sure. The sophisticated, you know, ivory tower types like us uh, can look and be like, yeah, the process is great. You know, uh, that's the way you build a contender into the future. That's the long game. That's that's how you play it. But you're not in those offices. You're not selling the season tickets now trying to sell people on trying to pay for tickets today when the team might be good four years from now, and especially after you see a few teams try this process thing last season and have it absolutely just explode in their face in horrific and spectacular fashion like the Knicks, I think people are going to... It's a lot more difficult to sell it now, right? Because the the story you could have told going into last season was, dude, look at the Sixers, you know? Like, look at the Thunder um, when they built their first big three in Harden, Durant, and Westbrook. Like, the way you do this is by losing and picking high in the draft. I think you're totally right that that's the fans aren't buying it, and the people that, that get mad, the ones that are pissed at you for not taking the nets over here, like they don't want to show up. They they want to root for the fun young guys, like Dinwiddie and Lavert and Dream on these guys being all stars. They don't want to, you know, watch Devin Booker shoot 30 times and win 17 games. Like
0: yeah, the Suns yeah, are another so. one. They bring in Rubio. They're gonna play eight in a ton of minutes, and they're gonna play Booker. Like this is the, not a team that they're not headed for the tank. They don't sign Rubio to do that, right? Like this, they're gonna try. So anyway, I don't know. We're gonna talk all season about this. It's this gonna be an awesome NBA season. You can sign up for our projection system where you can get uh, access to that first day's worth of projections now. And we have a seven-day free trial. So if you go sign up now, it takes you through the first night of NBA. Uh, that's dfsr.com slash deals will get you started. That way you're covered for football and NHL as well. We covered it all under one subscription package. No better deal in the business than that one. Uh, dfsr.com slash deals uh, will get you started. Rate and review the podcast as we cycle back into the NBA after taking uh, a lot of the offseason off. Uh, rate and review that podcast uh share it on social media if you can uh or and just subscribe to get those downloads and all that really helps it's totally free don't need to put you know no payment information needed to do that stuff and we really really appreciate it uh also support our our sponsors like mybookie.ag uh, vivid seats all that all that little stuff helps um really helps and keep us around giving you the content what you want i'm very excited buddy about basketball i left about 18 talking points on the table but that's okay we got a whole season to talk about it Talk to you later, or excuse me, early next week when we break down the first couple slates of NBA. But it's good to have basketball back.
1: Yeah, baby. See ya.